Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. A number of years ago, John Piper wrote a wonderful little book called 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. And Piper... Oh, you have it right in front of me. Oh, the pa- oh, it's called The Passion of Jesus Christ. I know it's been the titled. The first edition was The Passion of Jesus Christ, and then it became 50, 50 Reasons. reasons. Yeah. yeah, okay. So depending on which edition you pick up. Um, now, what Piper does is he lays out the case in 50 very short sections why Jesus had to die. And we would recommend this little book to anyone. Um, or Why Christ Came by Joel Beakey and William... I can't say that Bocus, last name. Bokestein, and this is 31 meditations on the incarnation that deal with 31 reasons why Jesus came. Yeah. Now, um, in order, I guess maybe the easiest way to say this is in order for Jesus to die, he had to be born. Um, so we're asking the question, why did Jesus have to be born? So leading up to Christmas, we're not giving 50 reasons or 30 reasons. We're just giving 15 reasons for Jesus's birth. We've already looked at reason 14 and 15 already. So today we're looking at reason 13 for why Jesus had to be born. Jesus had to be born in order to become for us the place where we meet God. And we read in John chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, Jesus speaking to the Jews and he tells them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews respond, It has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So in other words, brothers, Jesus was born in order to replace the temple. What does that mean? Why does Jesus draw the connection between the Jewish temple and his own body? Well, I think before we can even understand that, we have to go back into Old Testament revelation and understand um, the purpose of the temple. Yeah, the whole purpose of the, the temple, the tabernacle tab- before that. Because mm-hmm. uh, the, the, one of the great questions at the heart of, of Old Testament Scripture is how can a sinful people approach a holy God without being consumed? Mm-hmm. And God provides the way. God, God, provide, God in mercy and love provides a way that his people can come to him and worship him. Uh, God gives explicit instructions for the tabernacle, how it's to be built, how it's to be designed. And, um, and there, are, there are layers of protection around the tabernacle uh, that one dare not approach the innermost holy place. And then the same thing with the, with the temple, but it's a way, it's how a sinful people can approach a holy God, and God God provides that way. Yeah, it re- represented a place of atonement, or uh, how we were at one with God, 
and also a place of God's presence. You know, how, you know, this is where God would meet them, and so it represented those two things. Um, but as we move into the New Testament, um, you know, Colossians two seventeen says, "These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ." And we see that in other places as, as well. You know, we're told in Hebrews ten. Uh, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Again, uh, the, the prophetic word of, of God. And when he said the above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. Those things were offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I've come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second, and that by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus' body is the New Testament because Jesus is both the place of atonement, of making us one, and it's also the place of God's presence. He says, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And so, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So it's Jesus fulfills what the the temple, the tabernacle, and temple uh, were there to display. Mm-hmm. Really, the theme of a tabernacle permeates all of Scripture. It, it begins in in the garden that we were made for fellowship with God. That God was communing with, tabernacle dwelling with Adam and Eve in the garden. That was destroyed. Um, with the sin of Adam, and and really the the whole storyline of the Old Testament is that God was making means, opportunities for for dwelling with him. But if you'll notice, right after their sin, access is denied in the garden. Um, You have the people um, at Mount Sinai, Access is denied. They're not allowed to come to the to the to the mountain because they can't encounter God um, in the temple in the holy of holies. Um, access is denied and eventually um, broken down. The and temple broken is... down. But when Jesus comes, John one um, mm-hmm. says, "And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us, dwelt among us. Yeah. Why? To to allow us to have access yeah. mm-hmm. um, to God." Um, and then later on in, in Hebrews chapter 4, it, it will say um, that let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. We can now have access. We can draw near. We can tabernacle. But even now, it's still there's a, there's a, a brokenness that still exists in our, our ability to fully commune with God. And that's why the last chapters of the Bible is really about God dwelling tabernacling forever with mm-hmm. his people in a in a new heavens and earth that has no sin that all of the barriers all of the things that prevented access to god will be finally removed because of the incarnation of jesus christ because of his work as the god man that he was able to dwell among us and really fulfill what jonathan just said as of, of the the whole aspect of what the temple was in the old testament was sacrifices to make atonement and access to, to God. But what a wonderful way in which the new covenant is is better than the old. In the old covenant, it was a place mm-hmm. where we met with God. In the new covenant, it's a person. Mm-hmm. Jesus is actually the person through which we meet God. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus would say to the Pharisees in his own rebuke of them, 
you know, as he's focusing on his person and authority, he says in Matthew 12, 6, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. You know, they, you know, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. And he says, no, no, something greater than the temple is here. Yeah. That's him. So, um, so in John 4, you guys know that, that passage where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. If you remember the dialogue there, uh, he makes a very important distinction between, you know, truly worshiping God um, in in the person of Christ versus worshiping God in a place. And so how is this idea of Jesus being the place where we meet God different from other religions? Mm. Wow. Because it's not confined, it's not confined geographically. Uh, but uh, universally available because because we we meet God in Christ, um, and I, I want to bring us back to uh, if you guys don't mind. Well, I'm going to do it anyway, whether you mind or not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the way I, we I, operate. Yeah, that's, that's the way we operate here. <laughs> I want to bring us back to to the prologue to John's Gospel, a very famous passage in John one fourteen, and the Word became flesh. This is the miracle of the incarnation. C.S. Lewis called mm-hmm. it the great miracle. Mm-hmm. The word became flesh and lived among us. The Greek word there is tabernacled. Mm-hmm. The word became flesh and pitched his tent, tabernacled among us. Mm-hmm. And it's making, it, John is directly alluding to God meeting his people and that Jesus is the new tabernacle. Jesus is the new temple. He, he is the place and universally and that's his, available. That's why his name is Emmanuel, yes. meaning God, God with, with us. us. Yes, yeah. amen. And we don't have to make... We don't have to make the trek to Jerusalem. Yeah, this is this is why I or, or pray facing one uh, or south or north or east or whatever. North or east and, or and, west. And, yeah. and this was anticipated in the Old Testament too. I mean, Ezekiel uh, thirty-seven twenty-seven says, "I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Yeah. Uh, Zechariah fourteen twenty talks about the day, when the day of the Lord would come, and it says. And on that day, there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord. Um, you know, so uh, what it was saying, you know, it wasn't just the holy instruments in the temple, the, bell, the, the, the pots and bowls of the temple, but all the pots and pans of, of uh, Jerusalem and Judah. Holiness would be spilled out on everybody. And, uh, you know, worship would be possible in any place at any time. Um, and the only requirement would be that the person would be in Jesus Christ and, and have received his spirit. So that's what he was saying. There's time is coming when people are going to worship in spirit and truth. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be emblazoned everywhere. <laughs> it'll, it'll go on the reins of the horses even, holy yeah. to the Lord. Yeah, that's right. Unfortunately, I just want to just add a quick disclaimer. Unfortunately, some people have taken this idea that it doesn't matter where you worship to mean that it doesn't matter if you worship with God's people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I just want to quickly say that that would go against the whole entire grain of of the entire right. Bible. Um, the you saints, can't take one truth and put it against another truth correct. in Scripture. Yes. So right. the whole joy of the Old Testament community, the Old Testament church, was gathering worship together as a covenant community. As yeah. God's people. Yeah. And the whole end of the story is looking forward to the great day when the church enters into worship. At the same time, you realize gathered. that, yes, God won't have his, his bride in pieces. He'll yeah. only take his bride all together at one time. Yep. Yeah. So that the saints will come into the presence of God all together as his people, body yep. and soul. 
Um, the point I was trying to make was that the, the, no, no, what I Jesus, agree. Jesus is destroying all superstition. Yes, mm-hmm. by yes. saying I am the place. But I've just heard people use this to say, well, that's why I don't bother going to church because I can worship yeah. God. Uh, on, up in the foothills. I can what? worship God at a lake. I can worship God. And that's true. All of those are true, but it's not a substitute. The gathering of God's people on, on each Lord's day is a taste of heaven. Yeah. 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 And, and that's why he says, don't way. forsake the assembling of yourselves yeah. together as is the habit of some. I mean, it was even a habit then uh, that people were doing that. As yeah. soon, you know, freed from the, freed from the, the law, they become lawless. Yeah. And, and they no longer recognize God's purpose and plan. Yeah. And there is a sense, um, well, not a sense, if you look at Matthew 18, it says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Jesus is most glorified at the gathering of his saints, um, especially every Lord's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's the main reason why we should gather together, because when a public assembly comes together, it says something about our Savior. Which is why the psalmist says, the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwelling places in Jacob. He loves this one place. Why? Because that's where his glory is mainly manifested in, in, in the dwelling of his people. I, I didn't want to derail us there. I just no. wanted to just emphasize that we don't believe that the church is the modern day temple. Yeah. But we, we don't want to disparage the church um, on the other end of the spectrum. Right. Um, God still calls his people together together. In communion with himself. And, this, and the center is no longer a piece of geography, but it, it's, the center is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, that's, and so everything is focused there, uh, as opposed to, you know, we're talking about the other religions of the world where they're either bowing, bowing to the east or some other place. Yeah. You know, they're, you know they're, they're geographically fixed, yeah. whereas Christianity isn't. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We've been going through the 15 days of Christmas. If you've missed any of our broadcasts, just subscribe to The Gospel for Life in whatever podcast machine that you have. <laughs> and we uh, we hope to see you next time, and we will look at reason number 12 for why Jesus had to come. And maybe we'll start with a list of good Advent books that you yes. could be going through. Yes. 